on your part. Here we go. Welcome to the On Track and Field podcast. I'm JT Ayers. All things track and field related, and you've heard me say it a number of times before, you have to go to On Track and Field. Just check out their website. And then when you check out their website, you're going to be like me. I'm a head coach. I care about good equipment. I care about getting the very best of the best for my athletes. So I use On Track and Field, and they've made me part of their family. You could be part of that family as well. So when you do go to ontrackandfield.com at checkout, just type in track talk, T-R-A-C-K-T-A-L-K, all one word, and you're going to get 15% off. And 15% goes a long, long way when you're buying track and field equipment because it's expensive. So on trackandfield.com with me right now is coach Jay Johnson. He is a distance guru out of Colorado where it is a mile high and it's snowy sometimes. But anyways, I'm so excited. This is going to be part one of two because our conversation is so good. So I just wanted to, you know, be very, just kind of throw it out there. Jay, thanks for joining us. And I'm just going to hit you with a question real fast. That may not be fair, but let's just start right. What can a distance coach learn from a sprint coach? Oh, man. I would say distance coaches can learn a lot of things. Um, I'm going to steal something from Vince Anderson. Uh, I was blessed to to be able – well, I, I, I'm going to go back to something. I was an athlete in the Big 8. That's how old I am. But then I was an athlete in the Big 12. And then um, I was able to coach at the University of Colorado for six years when we were in the Big 12. And then Texas A&M joined, um, Vince mm-hmm. Anderson joined that staff about halfway through when I was coaching at the university of Colorado and I got to know him a little bit and I'd watch his teams warm up, but it was, it was when I was, uh, moving out of college coaching. Um, and I coached some professionals. I was a stay at home dad and he had this podcast on the Canadian coaching education. And he talks about this. All we have as a sprinter is rhythm and posture. Hmm. And I think if distance coaches said, a, a kid shuffling through a long run is a bad thing for that kid. It's teaching bad ground context. That, that, that simple view of training, which is we want to run with great posture and we don't want, excuse my language, crappy, you, you know, we, we, we don't want that, that interaction with the uh, ground to be bad. That I think is really important. Now I'm going to turn this the other way and say, I do think distance coaches sometimes are a little too enamored with, hey, how do we do speed development? And um, I'm friends with a, 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 a coach in Illinois, John O'Malley at Sandberg High School. I'm friends with Tony Holler, who I, I know everybody knows whether they're doing Feed the Cats or not, they're, they're familiar with it. And I do think sometimes a distance coach is saying, the way for us to take our program to the next level is many hurdles and rank and record and da 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 and I might be hopping ahead in terms of some of the uh, questions we have, but, but, but sometimes I, I think a high school distance coach should be saying, how do I get talent out for my team? And, um, and this is one thing prior to this interview, I, I was thinking both, both groups, both the uh, sprint coaches and distance coaches sometimes do a bad job of, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to talk about what do we do in the weight room? You, you want to talk about max velocity. You want to talk about, you know, angles out of the blocks by, by the way, JT, one of my favorite events in track and field is the hundred meters, because I love this idea that if you screw up the uh, drive phase, you're going to decelerate earlier in, in that race. So I love that. Um, you can be mad at me because the uh, 200 meters is one of my least fa- favorites. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah. So, 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 so long story short, if a distance coach just, just leaves with that one thing, which is sprint coaches are focused on, on, on posture. Um, I think that's going to go a long, long ways. Okay. Well, let, let me, let me challenge you with this because I'm a sprint coach. I have a great relationship with my distance coach, but that's not usually the norm in America where yeah, there seems this dichotomy between like almost this yin and yang pull, right? Where the distance coach has one way of doing things. The sprint coach has another way of doing things. Usually they fight in the four and the 800 or whoever's on a four by four, right? So no, the, the sprint coach says the 800 is a, a sprint event. And the distance coach says the 800 is you need mileage and it's more about aerobic than anaerobic and they fight all the time. So yeah. what you're telling me, and maybe you can draw this out a little more, what can I see from a distance coach to do more? What, what do they, what can they do more for speed training? How do you get posture? How do you get rhythm? How does a yeah, distance so, kid whose arms go side to side? Yeah. You know, I'm really, I'm, I'm a huge fan of mini hurdles and I think there's a folks, I'm just going to reference coaches. And if you're really fired up about, you know, how do you either, if, if you're a sprint coach listening to this and you want to help your distance coach, they need to know these names. They need to know Joan Hunter at Loudon Valley. She's now the uh, coach of a post-collegiate group in Boulder called the 10 man uh, elite group. And then John O'Malley at Sandbrook high school for both. Oh, and, and then, and if, if, if you just search my name, coach Jay Johnson, and you're going to see, um, I've got about 2 million views on YouTube. And I'm really excited about this uh, playlist that speed for distance runners in, in, in that is my friend, Jeff Bollet, uh, taking distance runners over, well, he's not taking up his distance runners are doing a neural session. Many hurdles are a big part of that. And I, I really feel like um, Joan Hunter as a, a distance coach who, who coached a boys team who not only won the Nike cross nationals cross country meet, but has the uh, record for, for the lowest point total. She would set up three rows. She'd have them for freshman girls. She'd have them for boys who were six, one and fast. Right. And that's something you would see at a sprint practice. And that's something she's doing with freshmen. And she's doing that more. Um, she, she, she's doing more of that before she's piling on volume. If you go to a, a, a John O'Malley practice, Sandberg High School in Illinois, Orland Park, Illinois, it's, it's, it's the exact same thing. So if, if we go back, I mean, I'm 45 years old. If we go back to the paradigm of if you want to be a, a, good, a good distance runner, it's volume, volume, volume. And then at the end of the season, you know, speed, 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 and speed meaning repeat 400s, not meaning flying 40s, right? Um, that paradigm is broken. That paradigm if you use that paradigm now, a good coach who is recruiting talent in their school will beat you and they will beat you in cross country. Wow. That's interesting. And not only is it interesting, but maybe the distance coaches can start asking the sprint coaches help. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of background because I think it highlights my interest in this. So, um, I'm, I'm running at the University of Colorado. I'm the slowest guy on some good cross-country teams. Um, I'm, I'm getting a master's degree in kinesiology and applied physiology. I'm only doing that because I want to be a college coach. I could have gotten a master's degree in 
world history. My, 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 my predecessor at the University of Colorado got, had a master's degree in map make, making, right? That's a, oh, so really? I'm, yeah. So, so I'm at the end. Um, if you look at it from an age standpoint, almost all the, the, the college coaches that are older than me have a graduate degree in something. Um, everybody younger than me, I feel like it, it wasn't something that, that, that you had, had to have. But th- th- this is a long way of saying um, I was a junior college coach for two years. W- when I get this opportunity to go back to the University of Colorado, coach middle distance runners, be the recruiting coordinator, assistant cross country coach, I just said, hey, w- what, I'm, what I don't understand is speed power. And if you go down to a, a layer uh, kind of beneath that, I wouldn't have used the term functional strength or, 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 or functional movement type stuff. But at that time, Vern Gambetta was this guy where I couldn't get enough Vern Gambetta stuff. And he had, he had some stuff for free online. But, you know, we're talking now 2002. So, I mean, you couldn't find articles on Twitter. Um, he had his book, Athletic Development, that came out kind of in the middle when I was coaching at CU. And I was sharing it with our strength coaches. Um, so, 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 so long story short – I, I, I was basically somebody who, as a college athlete, ran 20 miles on Sunday, ran 85 miles in singles, and I didn't look at distance running saying, if I'm going to be a college coach and have my athletes run faster, this idea of there's multiple levers to pull, and, you, and at some point, that volume lever, I mean, you're, you're, you're just tapped out, right? And, um, yeah. and, and, and that's maybe – something we can talk about here too. I, I was able to coach a guy post-collegiately, this guy, Kenyon Newman w- works for Nike now, but he was a, he was a, a high school athlete that I recruited to the university of Colorado. I, I didn't coach him at CU, but I coached him post-collegiately and, and he's coached everything from high school, high school to some professional runners. And I'm, I'm borrowing that from him. The idea is that there's multiple levers we can pull and, and absolutely, I'm working with some high school kids th- this summer. Are, are, are we pulling the, the volume lever? Yes. Are we doing that more in July than we were in, in, in June? Yes. Will they do even more in August? Yes. But there's other levers we, we can pull too. Sleep is a huge one, right? And, and, and if, if, if a distance coach says, you know, ground contact time is something I need to understand that, that my sprint coach understands. And if my kids can decrease ground contact time in the same way it helps them on a leg of the four by four, that will transfer over to cross country. And, and I, I think that gap is really important. Um, and then I will be quiet after, after this, but, but, but I want to highlight one more thing. I, I do get frustrated when, when I get emails from coaches who want to understand speed development, who want to understand, hey, should I be doing a speed development day on Monday prior to our race pace work Tuesday, you, you know, dial it down Wednesday, long run Friday. That, that is a great way to organize a week. But if you don't have talent out for your team, your cross-country team and your track program aren't going to be that good. And I, I think too often coaches get fired up about this stuff, which is really important, but, 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 but in a way we want to be preaching to the coach who has a great culture and has a lot of kids out for their team. That's interesting. You say that because what you're basically implying, you know, and you said in many different ways just now was culture might have to be your first priority. If you're creating a culture, then people are going to want to come out. People are going to want to be part of that. And and then you can coach them. 
Yeah, and culture is distance running's hard. Distance running, you got to be out in the rain. You got to be out in the snow. If you're in Texas right now, I mean, you got to get up at 5.30 a.m. to be at, so um, one of, if, 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 if one question in here is, what can sprint coaches learn from distance coaches? I think it's an acknowledgement that 48 to 50 weeks a year, a distance kid is training their butt off and they're training mm. alone. And when they're on vacation at the beach, they're, they're doing rope stretching. They're, they're doing, you know, leg swings prior to the run and, 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 and doing all that stuff. So if, if we go back to, to culture, if you haven't created a culture where running is fun, where running is cool and we're working hard. Um, and, and again, distance kids are, are, are total goofballs. Like I understand it. Right. Like, and smart, um, usually the smart kids at the school are the distance runners. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, so, so creating a culture where training really hard is, is fun is, is probably job number one. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that, that people shouldn't listen to this, this, this podcast. I, I, I really think if you, if you just Google my name and look at, at, um, speed for distance runners, there's everything from, from clinic videos where, where John O'Malley is talking about this to Jeff Bollet talking about, um, speed reserve for distance runners. Right. And, and mm -hmm. so, so I, I believe in that concept in the same way that you probably believe in it for a 40 meter from a standing start or a 40 meter fly transferring to how fast a kid can run for 200 meters or, or, or 400 meters. Yeah. I mean, there's a, we're going to drop a few resources during this podcast, but one, I know there was this article, uh, inside John O'Malley, that divergent thinking, and you can find that the track and football consortium website. And also if you go to coach tube and you just type in uh, track and field or culture, there's some free resources that are amazing that will show you everything behind what, how your gear should look, how you should talk to kids and motivate them, what your website and social media should look like. And all those things matter. And in fact, if you were listening to this podcast and you want anything else on culture, just reach out to Jay or myself on Twitter and we'll help you out. Okay. Yeah. I was very unfair uh, asking the question I did. And for the last 15 minutes, you've been talking about how distance coaches can learn from sprint coaches. And that's unfair because I'm a sprint coach and you're a distance. So let me turn the tables. How can a sprint coach or what can a sprint coach learn from a distance coach? School me. Yeah, I think distance coaches are doing a really good job right now with ancillary work. I'm, I'm not so, and, 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 and when I say ancillary work, I'm simply meaning post-run work. I, I think the best distance coaches are matching the, 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 the type of that work. Well, actually... That's actually something that sprint coaches do as well or better, probably. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second. I live in a bit of an echo chamber where I'm interacting with some of the best coaches in the entire country. And, and, and I have to remember sometimes that when they're matching a certain day in the weight room with what the stimulus was at the track, that, 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 that not everyone is, is doing that. Um, where, where I think good distance coaches are doing a good job is having that, that post-run work really. And, and again, I'm talking about the top five or 10% of distance coaches, but this idea of like, we're not just doing hurdle mobility because we saw someone do it. And we're, we're, we're not just doing, you know, coach Jay Johnson's, you know, strength and, 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 and mobility stuff j just because it's, you, you know, for, 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 for free on, on, 
YouTube. Um, but, but having something that's really integrated with what the, the uh, theme of, of the day is, but honestly, JT, as I'm thinking about that sprint, sprint coaches do, do, do that. Well, maybe what I'm highlighting is that the best distance coaches in 2021 are doing a better job than they were in 2010 or in 2002. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've learned really well from our distance coach, who's a really smart guy. And also that perspective of how to motivate an athlete to do something that's really hard and long sprint coaches. I mean, let's be honest. We sprint really fast for a short period of time. A lot of recovery. Yeah. Well, um, you, you referenced that article about John O'Malley that's written by Tony Holler and John O'Malley made a really good point about Tony Holler's feed. The, the, the cats uh-huh. that that program start to finish when you walk into a Tony Holler practice to when you walk out is 60 minutes. And I love where he says, yeah, some guys go to the weight room, but some don't. Right. And so he keeps that really tight. Almost all of the uh, coaches in, 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 in my consistency is key book, which is a book for high school athletes have at least two hour practices. Now, some coaches like Jonathan Dalby, just one of the fan, fantastic coach in, in, in the Denver area, you know, he cuts it off at two hours. So if, if, if you're in the weight room or you're at the track and you hit the two hour mark, you, you know, you, you, you maybe aren't, aren't, aren't going to finish what's on that day, but John O'Malley um, or Dan Iverson, the girls coach at neighbor Naperville North. I mean, those are, you know, two fifteen, two and a half hours. And, and, and that's maybe, maybe the number one thing that, that sprint coaches can, can take is that you have to do what's right for the central nervous system as a sprint coach. But distance kids have, have grown their capacity for hard work, okay? They can pay attention for a long time. And my understanding of track and field is if you have a heptathlete or a decathlete, they're at the track for four or five hours. And if we have somebody who's running the 100 and the 200, and they can only be there for an hour as a freshman, that, that makes total sense. But there might be things you should be doing when they're juniors and seniors that now make practices 75 minutes, 90 minutes. Now, I understand that at some point, the central nervous system is tired. But, 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 but somewhere in between what the distance kid is doing and what your freshman kid um, who, who, who's, who's going to, 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 to sprint is doing, maybe that, that, that practice gets a little bit longer. And, and another thing is, I mean, you can comment on this, but I feel like the best distance kids and the best distance coaches have a routine the kid can do at night in terms of soft tissue work. So um, kids- Give me some are, examples. Yeah, so- uh, I have this, this set of, I, this sounds like a damn sales pitch. Um, but I do have a lot of cool stuff out there. So, uh, Jeff Bollet, who is someone who's, who's on those free YouTube videos. Um, one of the things that, that we put together for kids who, who did my virtual camp or kids who are doing the summer training, every kid gets a lacrosse ball and there, and he has about six different things you, you, you can do. And one of the techniques, um, is pin and stretch, which is, I mean, I, I've been seeing a massage therapist in Boulder for over 10 years, and it's the exact same thing that she does. But um, you can basically sit in a chair, have the lacrosse ball on your hamstring, work, work through some things. Um, there's a way he uses a foam roller to, to, to be doing that. I, I have another friend, Phil Wharton, who is known as the uh, rope stretching guy, right? So active, isolated flexibility, um, <laughs> we, we, we could get into some arguments. I'm, I'm sure in, in your world, if you know, do we want an athlete with, uh, with, 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 with flexible muscles or not? He, by the way, worked with Dennis Mitchell 
and another famous sprinter you would know from back in the 80s, 90s, um, who did do all this work. But bottom line is, I do wonder if um, almost having homework that you do 90 minutes uh, prior to bed, that, that, that is just some basic soft, soft tissue work. And, uh-huh. and, 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 and sometimes I think kids say, Hey, I'm going to buy like a Theragun, you know, I'm going to buy something for 150 or $250. And, and that just beats up their tissues, um, in a way that, that may or may not be good. It, it absolutely feels good. Right. Right. Overuse. Is that what you're saying? Like I grab my hypervolt gun and I just sit to t- and I go to town for like, yes. you know, couple hours yeah. while watching a tv show and right so 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 here here's one thing that distance runners do well and i think most distance coaches do well is they're they're teaching kids to learn to run by feel to train by feel hmm. and so if we use this example we're talking about now you need to feel where is the amount of that type of therapy that's that's the right amount so my my my, my, my legs are going to feel better tomorrow Versus an amount that's like you just be, and this is where it's more like distance runner type a 4.0, like, like kids who are just like wound so damn tight. Yeah. And I'm not talking about their muscles. I'm talking about their, their worldview, right? Like, like those kids really want to get after this work and it ends up being, um, I mean, I mean, they, they can basically make a tight hamstring work worse by doing too much work on it at night. So you mentioned a lot of things and now I'm just thinking you tend to see, and I'm trying to be as observant as possible as a head coach that interacts with a lot of different teams all throughout the state of California, if not the United States. So what are some of the biggest misconceptions or myths of distance coaching that a sprint coach and a hurdle coach may not understand? Um, why, why don't we limit our conversation to the best coaches? So you are an excellent coach and I interact with just the best high school coaches. I have had great high school coaches tell me that the bottom 80% of distance coaches are lazy and aren't very good. I don't know if that applies to your world or not. Okay. But, but if we look at the best distance coaches, um, I think what people don't understand is truly, and, and this is, goes back to my experience as a college coach. I mean, as a college coach, you, you got a week off between the end of the NCAA meet and then calling kids on July 1st. And I understand r- rules change in terms of calling and texting and da da da, da. But, but if you want to be a good, di- th- there is no distance coach that's rocking in cross country and rocking in track that takes off a lot of time in the summer and a lot of time from let's say then to cross country, which could be late November, um, in our state, the first official week of track is the third week in February. Well, that's no different than high school too. The cross country season starts in July. They go and they get like basically December off, right. For the school year and then January track season. And then you get a month off. So, yeah. So a good distance coach is fired up right now for practice. Um, we, you, you and I are speaking at, at, at the end of, of July. Most of them are meeting right now and, and it's a grind starting, let's say the third week in August or the first week of September till, till, till that, that state meet. So, so just an acknowledgement that this is somebody who cares about kids deeply, but is working their, their, their butt off too. Um, okay. We, we talked about culture and, and this also has to do with misconceptions. I'm a high school coach or I'm a college coach. How important is getting away for a camp at the beginning of the season? Is that a misconception? Do you have to do this? Um, 
or what are the benefits of it? Yeah. So, so I, I've had a camp called the Boulder Running Camps. Uh, we met in person for 18 years. Didn't do it in 2020. That would have been 19. Couldn't do it again this year in 2020 because it's in Boulder and it's at CU. So that, oh. that's, an, that's another tangent. But um, if an individual kid from Kansas comes to my camp, it's a great experience because they're an individual, not with a team. Hmm. A team from the Kansas City area, I mean, I mean anywhere in Kansas, could easily rent a cabin in Colorado, go, go, go on roads and, and trails. Um, I, I think that's an amazing experience. Um, I, I profiled eight coaches in my, my consistencies key book. And I, I don't think all of them did a preseason camp, but, but there's a, a couple of them. We'll, we'll use Dan Iverson's girls team at Naperville North. They've been second at NXN. And if you don't know what that is, that, that's just a national championship for cross country. They, they've been second two years in a point of the year mm-hmm. where they 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 do basically goal setting he's going to be annoyed if he hears this he uses a <laughs> th- th- there's a difference between um targets and 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 goals in in his view of things but um it, it's really important for them i i'm in the state of colorado G- good kids never come to my, my camp because if you're a good kid in the state of colorado you're on a good team and the team goes and rents two cabins and uh is doing that i personally when i ran at the university of colorado loved our preseason camp i can think of an athlete right now who's a multi-time all-american who hated it so um but i just loved hanging with with, with, with my teammates and and so and team I, culture is a huge aspect of that preseason camp but here's yeah. a misconception do i have to go and run at altitude for a no. week or two weeks and then all of a sudden i'm going to get all these benefits from it i mean help I know the answer, but help the dumb sprint coach understand this. Um, yeah. So, and I'm going to be ignorant to the exact number of days when kids come to my camp for four nights, it is only hurting them. And I'm going to say that loudly because right, you're 6,000 feet up, right? Six, well, you, you, 6, so, so here's the deal. You're, you're at 5,200 feet and your body is making this adaptation while you're excited to be at camp. You may, you know, I mean, distance kids aren't very flirtatious and whatnot, but you're excited to be with other kids and, and we're going for a run and, and you're up a little later um, j- j- just because you're excited. Now, for the counselors, and, and we're changing it to two weeks soon, but we used to do three sessions. They'd be in Boulder for 20 days and 21 days is a, is a length of, of time to get an adaptation. But here's the deal. It, it, I always wanted to hire counselors who are milers. And so in the month of July, aren't doing a lot of volume. And I tell them, just run easy. You don't need to run hard. Like do the long run with the high school kid, even though that's not, that, that's like not much longer than your easy day. Just, just run most of the days you're here and, and you will, and, and, and your body. Um, so, so the uh, science of it is that you have, uh, you have EPO that stimulates red blood cell production, right? So, so the idea is after a, a, a stint in Boulder at 5,200 feet, or some people would say, you, you know, you, you should be heading to Flagstaff, which is at 7,000 feet. Um, and there's a lot of, I think the, I mean, the primary study was done between Park City and um, Salt Lake. Super embarrassing. I don't know the elevation of Park City. Um, that's okay. No one's going to hold it against you, but I mean, yeah. please help us out to figure out where we can do some blood doping. I mean, where, yeah. how high? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, so, I mean, 
if I was a coach in California and we could go to Mammoth and we could go to Big Bear or I'm a coach in anywhere in the Midwest and we're going to drive out to, to Colorado, I think the, the key point is you have the easiest week of training that you've had up to that point. Oh, don't and that, kill them. And, and, and that sounds counterintuitive. But and, and, and here's one thing, too. So so I, I went to a clinic once at the um, in Colorado Springs. There's a U.S. Um, there, there, there's a U.S. Olympic training facility. Yeah, the Paralympic there. Olympics training center, right? Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and they they put on this clinic and Michael Phelps's coach. Um, what is it? Scotty Bowman, I, I, I think it is, is his name. He, he, he was presenting and talking about when they go to the Olympic Training Center, how they use altitude to their benefit. And I raised my hand. And obviously, if you listen to this podcast, sometimes I stutter and stammer. I was nervous as hell. But I asked him, I said, where's the danger zone? And he looked at me and he said, good question. Now, words of affirmation are one of my love languages. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> like, like, like he likes it. But the, the, he understood the question and, 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 the, and it's a very simple question. The danger zone for a high school coach or a college coach is when the kids are coming back together and school's about to start. When you get all your kids together, hey, I, I don't care how good the, 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 the culture on your team is. It's a rare team where every kid's been training together, hasn't gone on vacations, whatnot. You, you have all your alphas and betas and whatever, like you have, have your top seven, your top 10 together. That threshold run is going to be faster. And there, there's going to be a kid who's, you, you, you know, the kids who are five, six, seven, and eight on your team who are dying to be on the varsity or dying to score, they're going to run that threshold run too hard. And I uh -huh. don't care. Like, I well, mean, just I, to keep I, up with the top three, right? Yeah. The yeah. best so, team that Tribuco has ever had, and they had a kid that ran four flat in the mile, and they had a bunch of kids under nine in the two. It seemed like four of those kids would just move. And they basically carried everybody else because, you know, numbers on the team – six, seven, eight, nine, 10 will just, or killing themselves just to be with that group, be yes. with them, even though their, you know, threshold run was different. Their pace was different on their slow days. Their long run was different. Like it's just, they, like you said, they had to do something. So here's a, here's a question that, you know, kind of gets us back to it is with team culture and you have a team with talent that's fast at the, like the top three that are fast, they like each other, they run together, they help each other. The other kids behind them are being pulled by them just by their sheer pace. Are they benefiting from that speed or are they hurting because oh, of speed? what should a coach do oh, I love, with the I, two different tiers? Yeah. I, I love that you teed this up. There's going to be some distance coaches who hate my answer. This is very much a college coach informed answer, but I think at the highest levels of high school, it applies to you. You have your okay, number. Let, me, one let me actually stop you real quick. I think this would be a good place to stop. Okay. And then let's pick up on this at part two next week, if you're okay with that. So Thank you. part two next week, you and I, coach, we're going to get into this question and um, just leave our audience really kind of, you know, on the edge of their seat when they have to think about what you're going to say in regards to this. So appreciate you, man. And then let's dive into this next week. Thank you.